And I think that that's really important stuff to do, whatever scale it's on, whether it's like making a video by yourself at home or making a feature, you know, because I feel like if you're making stuff that says who you are and people like it, then your life going forward is people trying to get a piece of that rather than just giving you stuff that they think you could be good at. That is filmmaker and cinematographer Vincent Payone. Here we go. Welcome to Timeboxing, a podcast about balancing creativity, productivity, and sanity. I am Carl Sandrell, a composer and music producer in Little Armenia, East Hollywood, California. It's Friday at 11 p.m., and here I am recording voiceover, but hey, this is this is the glamour of freelancing, right? <laughs> Since last time, I've been working on a couple of scoring and sound design projects, as well as this cowboy music. Also, my friend Rebecca got me into a meditation app, which I have to say, as someone who in the past has taken a sort of deranged pride in being able to stay up for three days in a row, it seems really healthy to actually pay attention to what my body is saying and what's happening right now. I don't know. Do I sound more focused? Look at this. Tonight I'm recommending 10 Bullets, which my friend Angeline Gogassen told me about a couple years ago. It's actually a sort of orientation video for employees of the Tom Sachs Art Studio, and it outlines the code by which they work. But I find it's also just a very inspiring watch for being disciplined and focused in any sort of work. It covers stuff like keeping things simple and running smoothly and being thorough. It's funny, well-made, and like the flavor bin, much hipper than I feel qualified to uh, convey. (laughs) Check it out. Always be Nolan. All right, I have his room number. Is there need anything else? Uh, they would need to come down and get you because it's uh, key activated to get up. Oh, got yeah. it. Okay, no problem. Today's guest is filmmaker and cinematographer Vincent Payone, who, like Timeboxing Episode 3 guest Sam Reich, helped start College Humor's original video department. Whether he directed or shot or in some capacity worked on about 1,000 videos. <laughs> That's where I first encountered him, making music for stuff like the Inglorious Bastards parody Grammar Nazis, which earned a Webby nomination and which Vince even acts in. Hey. What's up, man? Hi. He's also the Vince half of directing duo Josh and Vince, which has worked with lots of big ad agencies and companies, given talks at South by Southwest and Vimeo Fest, and still finds time for passion projects. More on that later. Vince was in L.A. for work, and I stopped by the bizarre West Hollywood hotel they put him up in. Um, this hotel is like, I mean, it's nice, but this couldn't be less me. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I don't know, it's like, it's like so weird and slick. Vince Payone. You are a director, writer, cinematographer, and the Vince half of Josh and Vince, a Webby and Telly award-winning directing duo. How's it going? It's going great. Wow, what an introduction. 
Uh, <laughs> I wish my mom knew what all of those things meant so she could be proud of me. She doesn't really know what I'm doing unless I appear in something I've made, and yeah. that's when she'll share it on Facebook. <laughs> like, I could say I directed this huge thing, and she'll be like, I, mm. okay, I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> Love so, you, Mom. She might listen. Where would you say your interest in the arts started? This is going to be a weird parallel I'm going to draw. But when I was younger, I remember, my, so my mom, speaking of mom, had an antique store. And I remember she would set up corners of it. They were like these little kind of era-specific antique nooks. Yeah. One was like a Victorian Gilded Age one, and another was like a little more kind of Danish modern. And then, because it was like a pretty dynamic uh, antique store, but I used to play in them. And I remember being kind of mad when I realized I came of age. Like most people were mad that they, when they found out Santa isn't real, I was mad when I realized you can't time travel ever, <laughs> or at least not in my lifetime. And if you can't, yeah. you know, I've later learned you can go forward but not backwards. Whatever. So uh, that's, a, that's a big conversation we're not going to get into. So that sort of struck a nerve with me and got me interested in movies specifically because I felt like that was the closest thing you're going to get to time traveling. And for years I had forgotten about that. I tied it into a package and put it deep into my subconsciousness. Yeah. And then it wasn't until working at a place like College Humor where we were starting to get, you know, money the first time something was supported by a company. Yeah. And there was a shoot that I walked on that I looked around and everyone was in period costumes and I was in like a period <laughs> space and I took a deep breath and I was like this is why I'm here. Because wow. this is what's so fun about this. Is that grammar Nazis by chance? Uh, no, actually, I'm referring to national fart hearings, which ah. I believe Josh directed and I shot. Okay. Um, but great sketch. Farts are timeless. Farts are timeless. Uh, <laughs> you're not wrong, I guess. I realized my dream on a set for a sketch called National Fart Hearings. So when you were in this antique store, you were picturing yourself in these different time periods, that sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, mom also bought a VHS camera for me that I would play with oh, and experiment okay. with. So I guess that's the other component. So I was always making movies and casting my sisters to be like the villains. Yeah. Uh, and I think that my true love for the medium, I used to think it was about the tech side of it. Like I used to think, oh, I love this gear. And I really do. I do like film and I do like shooting actual film like in film school that was awesome and mm -hmm. I I like talking shop with my camera team but it's not about the gear for right. me. I think I'm more excited about telling a more personal story. Well it's so easy to get I don't know developing a craft in any area of it there's so much to learn that it's really easy to forget why you got into it in the first place and you know you're learning useful things but sometimes you get so techy that it's yeah you're on a different trajectory than maybe you started with. Totally, and look, like that's a resource. You know, I think it's, it's an upper hand and you need that whenever you're dealing with like an art form that's immensely collaborative. So I, I think that that's only a leg up yeah. to, to know that stuff. And I do, I do, but I'm, I'm not like on the boards like I used to be, you know, <laughs> like. Jumping back a little bit, so there's a big difference between loving an art form and being a fan of it and making a career out of it. Was there a point where you felt that you started pursuing it professionally 
And how is that transition for you, so to speak? I think that you encounter people who don't necessarily know what they want to do. And that's really the first step Mm -hmm. to be hyper aware of yourself and what, what your interests are. I think that's like easier said than done that I think people search for that sometimes their whole lives without finding it. I feel lucky that I was able to say this is what I care about enough to commit to it for this long. Yeah. As hard as it got and you know as as frustrating as it got or as much I compared myself to everyone around me who was doing better. I think that it's important <laughs> to stay on track and that's mm-hmm. like really really tricky. To relate back to what you're saying, like I think I kind of got lucky in that because I knew exactly what I wanted to do and because I met like-minded individuals in, you know, my f- first sketch group, which was called Dutch, Dutch West, West, which yeah. was with Sam, who you had on the interview, mm-hmm. and uh, Josh and Elaine Carroll, Sam's wife, and so much more, a fantastic actress and mm-hmm. uh, star of creator of Very Mary Kate, and Matt Moore, who's a fantastic writer also. And uh, we came together and made content that excited us mm-hmm. and we made something like 50 shorts right before youtube right had launched so when youtube launched we had an immediate very sort of timely we you had it. quote unquote content yeah right <laughs> before um, that was a word <laughs> yeah exactly and hours of it because we thought a 12 minute sketch was a good idea <laughs> but uh that didn't pan out but anyway you know it did the trick and it got college humor interested in us which at the time, to be totally honest, I had never heard of them, and it, I thought the name was silly, but I respected what they were up to enough that we took a meeting and we started making stuff for them, and then that turned into a career. It was kind of like the best case scenario because it was somebody saying, hey, see this thing that you do, we love it so much, come do it here and get paid. Right. And that was really, being there seven years, it's like the best seven years of my life because it was a structured Mm -hmm. lifestyle that allowed me to play and gave me and everyone involved power to create what we wanted without too much interference. And sure, on the other end of that, there was making content that we had to make, Mm -hmm. but... I think that it was the kind of job that we were so lucky to have because it afforded us the abilities to make it our own. Right. And the whole time you're, you know, that's one key to any art form, I think, is just doing a lot of it. And the College Humor has put out thousands and thousands of videos. I mean, average of 15 million views a month. (laughs) It's crazy. I look back on some that I'm not even particularly proud of, and they have like 40 to 45 million views on YouTube. And it's like (laughs) the combined viewership is just so astronomical that I can't even fathom it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's crazy to me, too, because when you make something for a company which has like a prestige to it, there's a name, it's easy for people to find. It's different than what I think, you know, Josh and I are doing right now. It's like we're, yeah. ma- we're making stuff where there's no basis for success or failure. It's kind of just like videos do well, and I guess that's validating. Yeah. But, you know, I'm a little bit jaded because I know what true validation is, <laughs> which is 53 million views, which I haven't been able to beat yet. the one thing that I took away from College Humor that surprised me that I never saw coming was I just absorbed strategy in that 
you know, uh, it was an environment where you were basically judged by the success of your work. And people would view your work as you within the company, even though on the outside it was just college humor. But I was really sensitive about how best I could create things that felt like my own you know, brand. Mm-hmm. I, th- I feel like in an in an environment where there are advertisers involved, it's particularly tricky to have a quote unquote voice of your own. You know, sure, yeah. I, I mean, College Humor was really good at even on the branded stuff, mm-hmm. preserving their voice. And I think the attitude was kind of like, well, why would you want us to fail by changing it? We can give you this much attention, but you kind of have to let us do it our way a little bit. And I think that's a powerful thing in the biz because like, it's all about trust. You're you're not coming to someone and saying, I need this done. Uh, Like that's not exciting to anyone. It's like, Mm -hmm. what do you got? Here's this idea that's a kernel. It's like, you know, grow this and develop this together and collaborate and turn it into something that you're excited about and that satisfies what we need. I'm sort of obsessed with productivity just because freelancing, as you know, is really, really hard. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so easy to get derailed on things that don't matter. My question is, have you found any tricks or things you do to try and keep your time and attention where it belongs, like where you really want it? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. The stuff that I'm genuinely excited about, which feels like me the most, that's the stuff I prioritize. And I think I'm most productive when I am really excited about things. Yeah. You know, um, and I think it's like anybody, I think I put things off that I'm not. But I think as long as there's a good balance of those things in my life, it's not so black and white as like, this is a branded thing or this is not a branded thing. It's kind of like the whole vibe of what is coming my way at any time it's like Mm -hmm. is this something that I truly feel like I'm baked into it in some way and that I like really trust these people to let us make something cool together or does it feel like well I'm definitely doing this because the money is great but (laughs) there are advantages to it but I it's a little bit of me feeling dirty Mm -hmm. uh you know for lack of a better word my feelings about my path of or anyone's path of success is like I think to be able to to weed out those things more clearly and to be able to only do things that you're really excited about. Right. So I think that's hopefully what keeps me really productive. And that's kind of, I feel like that's a healthy way to look at it because if you're doing work that is fulfilling to you, you will naturally be happier and more excited. So. Totally. And get and want to get out of bed. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's really. an important one. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's so funny too how like some of the best things come out of like anger or just like yeah. frustration. I remember I was kind of in a rut at work and I spent eight days straight writing our screenplay, the first draft of mine and Josh's original movie. Nice. And it was bad, you know, but I had to get it out. I just felt so inspired because I felt like there was that lack of me stuff yeah. going on. And I think that that's like definitely an oddball case where like you actually make something that you like in eight days, like a, an entire feature that you actually want to make eventually. But it took Josh doing a very nice polish and us collaborating on making it good yeah. to finally get there. But, you know, it all starts somewhere, so. I 
I also asked Vince about Josh and Vince, the directing duo. I like your logo. It looks kind of furry. Is that beard hair? Uh, <laughs> well, we have, there's no shortage of that over at Josh and Vince, that's for sure. Uh, we're trying to figure out what best explains who we are as quickly as possible, and we're both pretty short and hairy, and I guess that's like <laughs> conducive to comedy because um, Jackie Russo, who mm. is a a brilliantly talented designer put together our logo for us and we sort of like talked it out in like a very sort of philosophical way and we arrived at let's go hair (laughs) that was great I've got to say Josh and Vince have been killing it lately. They've worked with big ad agencies like Ogilvy and Mather, Gray, BBDO, companies like BBC, Tribeca Films, Vogue. They made a documentary called A Night at Whiplash, which features stand-up sets from people like Jared Logan, Janine Garofalo, Michael Che, and Eugene Merman. In May, they won Ad Week's Ad of the Week for a Save the Children PSA. Basically, they had models come in and read these cue cards. They were told... This is for a very sexy brand. We're going to give you a series of lines to read. The lines start sexy and quickly turn into facts about millions of children dying in areas affected by armed conflict and natural disaster. It gets pretty uncomfortable, to say the least, but it's very effective. I remember it being the most uncomfortable day on set of all time. Uh, Yeah. With an equal part satisfaction, sort of like the big curtain coming down and people realizing why they were being asked these ridiculous things and then Mm. being really forthcoming about, you know, us using their likeness in this kind of evocative and sort of potentially destructive way that hopefully not too many people come away from the video feeling too icky. Well, you know, obviously from the press, people are way into it, so. To me, one of the hardest things about working in entertainment is the transitions. You're always trying to move to the next level, so to speak. I asked how it's been transitioning his focus from the more structured environment of college humor to his own work under Josh and Vince. Nowadays, I shoot so much less frequently than I ever did. I've kind of come at things from the ground floor, like on a planning phase mm-hmm. and on a writing phase. And that, I think, to me is uh, like a really good place to be because I really am able to focus my energy on it. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean I have like sort of awkward patches in the middle of the week where I'm like not working here and there and I get to go to the desert like I did uh, yesterday <laughs> or two days ago, Joshua Tree? Yeah, completely. And I was at college humor for seven years and there's a routine involved and that regimented my life and it was very hard i felt a little bit like wiley coyote running and looking down there's no cliff under me anymore yeah you know um but i think that the the key to it is you really have to find time to relax that's that's hugely important and for me i still kind of try to keep the weekend schedule even if i'm working from home or going into our office now i, I try to show up at a similar time that I did. I'm like a blue collar factory worker from the 1970s who got laid off. Yeah. Where I wear, I still like wear my undershirt, <laughs> my white undershirt underneath my, you know, firm, mm-hmm. uh, no. By the way, I was about to say firm article of like factory clothing, not anything graphic. But, uh, <laughs> so the transition was a little tough, but college humor for us was always a home and in some ways just naturally a middleman mm-hmm. to other things that we wanted to do and it was a great place to develop our things there and now I think the big difference is that what Josh and I develop 
we just go directly to people who want it and they trust us because of our experience at college humor which we're like so eternally grateful for right and you're still finding time for passion projects as well um how has that been finding the balance of you know fitting those in and doing things like the feature you mentioned yeah um i'm kind of at the point where it's a little bit hard to just stop what you're doing and make passion projects so there's got to be a balance you know nobody's really getting rich off of indie movies at least some people are but it's really hard (laughs) but i think that that's like a mountain that i know i and josh are like really dedicated and climbing Mm -hmm. despite that and you know if, if it ends up being like a runaway success that would be amazing but i think that we are viewing it like okay so we need to stack up a bunch of commercials in this month so that we can make our 30 day scheduled movie without getting much money uh, you know, our interest lies more in like having a property that's ours yeah. and something that's, you know, very much distinctly ours. And I think that that's really important stuff to do, whatever scale it's on, whether it's like making a video by yourself at home or yeah. making a feature, you know, because I feel like if you're making stuff that says who you are and people like it, then your life going forward is people trying to get a piece of that rather than just giving you stuff that they think you could be good at that's a big one i can relate to that so much because as a composer for example it's really easy to become the guy that's like oh this this guy can kind of do hans zimmer (laughs) (laughs) you know like or uh if, if you don't take the time and kind of figure out what it is that you can uniquely offer yeah. then your career is going to be determined by what everyone else's needs are. You know? 100%. 100%. Put yourself out there. Make the most you thing you can. Yeah. Amen. Whatever that is. <laughs> it's okay to borrow from Hans Zimmer. <laughs> if you're going to copy anybody, you know, I mean... Go big. Yeah, he kills it. Always. Like yourself, Josh, your partner Josh Rubin is a very talented man and one of the funniest human beings on the planet. That's fair to say. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. How, how has it been having Josh as a creative and business partner? I mean, you've known each other forever, right? Yeah, we, we grew up together, sort of. We're from like a town over uh-huh. around, I think, age 16. Uh, I had first encountered Josh Rubin. Uh, <laughs> encountered? Yeah, and I, I've never found anyone funnier um, to date. I think we have the same sensibilities. I think that at the time, I was expressing it in really different ways. Like, I was playing music, and he was practicing stand-up on his porch for all of his friends. I always loved comedy, but we really bonded on a lot of the same movies that we you know, thought were so niche But finding somebody who kind of frankly looks the same (laughs) as you, people think we're brothers constantly. Um, That's good branding. Yeah, sure. That's why our business cards separate us, you know. For you listeners, the card has illustrations of their heads with an arrow pointing to Vince's. I don't have that same bone in me to be a performer. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a really nice dynamic for us because that's something he's very interested in. I guess my equivalent to that is is probably directing in its like purest form. Like I love directing as much as I think he loves acting. Yeah. Um, I know he loves directing too. Like I like shooting maybe. So I think that the bouncing ideas off of each other aspect of our relationship is like 
what is really, really exciting and him being the funniest person ever with insane recall, I think makes makes us like a pretty a pretty good duo. Mm-hmm. I'm just realizing, yeah, how how low value I am as we talk about this <laughs> within this dynamic. And he knows how to turn it on as an actor after using his brain in a completely different way on a client phone call. Right. Yeah, there have been so many times where I know he's been on set sneaking away to make a, a call where he has to play director you know like it's all playing we're all just playing and then go back and do an english snooty vaguely homosexual uh, butler for an amazon show and somehow he still manages to beat me at responding to emails right now our big focus is on uh, developing a TV show. The movie is still on the horizon, but I think that the TV show has been picking up momentum and excitement for us. I think that that's probably the next thing that, you know, God willing, that we would put, like, all of our energy into, Mm. which I think would be a really exciting thing. We'd get to hire all of our friends. I I love the idea of building a writer's room based on combined sensibilities of people who's, like, writing I love and respect. And... Also bringing in outside directors to work on this. I think there's someone at the door. Oh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> feel free to get in there. Hello? I'm sorry? Oh, no, I'm okay. Thank you. Did you say peanut butter? He said mini bar. Mini, <laughs> mini bar. <laughs> I didn't realize that that needed a constant restocking. It's like 12.28. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so TV pilot, you were saying. Yeah, it's just like, who knows what'll come of it. If nothing else, it's been a fun ride already. You know, we just shot a pilot presentation mm-hmm. for this show, which I think was like scratching this itch that needed to be scratched for so long. So that was like a really sort of euphoric kind of experience, and it was crazy and tense at times. And, <laughs> you know, felt like I was letting everyone down regularly. But no, but I, you know, we all came out of it feeling really good. I think that's a natural part of any kind of... Especially once you're getting, like, on a TV show, that world is so chaotic and it's hard to control anything, really. 100%, yeah. Um, And the the network is is Comedy Central, and they've been so great to us, just, like, kind of letting us go and do something that we feel proud of. That's really, I think, where it's headed. Yeah. Cool. Well, I really hope some of this stuff catches, because I would love to see it. Oh, my God, thank you. (laughs) I, I would love to make it. We'll see. And what is the best way for people to keep up with your work? I actually use Instagram in a pretty alienating way. Uh, <laughs> um, it's pretty vague, but you know that's like a pretty good log of like what I'm up to on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. I guess I post stuff that I'm that we're up to on the Josh and Vince Facebook page, or yeah. on my own page. There's also the Josh and Vince Instagram, which is like a day to day Josh and Vince log. Nice. Um, which is, it's at Josh and Vince. Mine is at Vincent Payone. But I think uh, to keep up properly is probably to run into me on the street and say, hey, what's going on? Uh, and if that doesn't happen, I guess the others will suffice. Cool, man. Well, I'm a, I'm a big fan of your work, and I really appreciate uh, the chance to talk. So thanks for coming on. Obviously, I was flattered that you even asked me. It means a lot. We've worked together on many things, you know, past, present, hopefully future. Uh, Absolutely. And thank you for, you know, thanking me for this.
And that's Vincent Payone, a very nice and talented guy. Thanks for listening. As always, you'll find more episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, etc. If you do like the show and want to help other people find it, consider sharing or leave a star rating in iTunes. Or if you really want to help me out, the best way is to leave a written review. I'd love to hear any questions or comments as well. You can reach me on Twitter at Sondrol, that's S-O-N-D-R-O-L, or just look on timeboxingpod.com. That's also the place to hear more of my film music or music music. And the lovely musicians featured in my music this time include Angeline Gregasson on vocals, Eleanor Wiegert on bass clarinet, Paul Curtis on bassoon, Heather McIntosh and Will Roselip on cello, Brandon Dickard on drums, Max Crow on guitar, Charissa Brager on harp, Anthony Bruno on saxophone, Andrew Zelm on trombone, Gerald Bailey on trumpet, Ben Weber on viola, and Lauren Baba on violin. Next time, we'll be speaking with filmmaker David Fischel. Happy Thanksgiving. Good night. Do you prefer Vince or Vincent, by the way? I go Vince. But like, here's what here's the difference. When I say my name in completion, uh-huh. I say Vincent Payone. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's that's the, the official word. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but you know, I have friends call me Vinny, Vin, and Vincenzo, yeah. or Enzo, or Jenny Jenners, or wow. There's plenty of nicknames. There are plenty of deviations from Vincent. So my yeah. parents did a good job in making me really uh, customizable. Customizable.